Conversations Beyond the Pew. And today is the episode that follows up that sermon on cultivating practices that matter so that we can have sustainable hope. But today it's not just my voice. Oh no, no. I have Maureen with me. Welcome, Maureen. Thank you. Glad to be here. And I, you have been in listening to the different sermons on sustainable hope. And today, like I said, we were talking about cultivating what matters. And you're always like taking notes. <laughs> <laughs> so like, is there, what are the things that really begin to pop for you as we've gone through this series? So I do. I take notes every sermon. <laughs> uh, I, I actually bring special pens because, you know, some notes and words need mm-hmm. more flair and more color. Uh, and I find for me it's a way to connect the thoughts in my head with the words in the sermon and the message. And what was really standing out to me um, was that word practice. And certainly across the series, intentionality Uh, and so in this time of still COVID kind of coming out of COVID um, you know it's everything has been so uncertain that to live into sustainable hope for me feels like I really need to be intentional and so that's the piece that has been Mm. um, really running around in my mind in the, in the place that I've been kind of anchoring throughout this series. Well, and it's kind of weird. So to hear that about being intentional and to think about how prior to COVID, there were so many things that we were doing just in general in life that aren't intentional and that COVID, like you had to sit down and like pay attention all of a sudden to everything around you, even to who's near me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like intentional, literally about everything. I walk out of the house and I have to make sure I have a mask, right? Like I can't, I can't leave my house without thinking about my safety. Yeah. And that's not something that, that we've been used to. I mean, we've been very blessed and privileged here. Most of us in the United States with some of that, right? Like we don't have this experience of, am I safe leaving my house? Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can walk to the town over. I mean, if I want to walk to the town over, there's no sense of there's a safety issue. Exactly. You know, you're out for an exercise. You're out for a walk. Sure. Right. I see. I see my neighbor on the sidewalk. Yeah. I gotta be thoughtful about how I engage in that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and even like thinking generations past, still had to be more intentional than us. They had to make sure if it was food. It just took longer to prepare, not to say there wasn't access to it or um, just how they structured their day because, you know, you were going to have to walk anywhere that you went. Or if you took the horses, they were going to have to be fed. Right. Water. Water. Yeah. Like every element was more intentional, it seems, with previous generations, whereas, well, I can just put my cart in or I can Uber. There's not a there is going to be flour if I wanted to make 
right. you know, cookies, a loaf of bread. Right. Oh, we're out of toilet paper. I'm going to go to the store and it's going to be there. Right. Like, I mean, it's so- really, it, it just was fascinating how all of a sudden so much of what we just assumed was part of our world and would always be part of our world was not right. overnight. Right. And how it automatically triggered despair. Absolutely. And fear. Despair and fear, which uh, I mentioned in this sermon about they're so closely related and of practicing moving aside the fear. But that sense of despair and fear that immediately settled in and how all of a sudden we're, we're like, wow, I can't get Clorox wipes. I can't get, I can't get, what if I can never get again? Okay, well, you know, you could go pick up some bleach. Oh, can't find bleach. What else? Well, there's Comet. Right. But you have to be intentional. Exactly. And that when we become, when we throw out intentionality on a regular basis, we actually set ourselves up for fear and despair. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that whole piece of, that's why I think this whole concept of sustainable hope now is so critical because we are coming out, right? Like we, we have access to those things that perhaps we didn't a year ago. But when we were leading with fear, we couldn't see what was still there. Mm. So your example of like the Clorox and, you know, the cleaning supplies and whatever, we, we, it wasn't that everything was gone, but leading with the fear of, oh my gosh, that target shelf is empty. Now what? Like that sense of, I couldn't pause enough to think maybe I can get by without Clorox wipes, Um, you know, and no one's coming to my house anyways. I don't need them. Right, right. Um, you know, so now is such a critical time to be thinking about that sustainable hope because what happens next, right? Like, do we go back to a time in which we're not intentional and we just fly through? Yeah. Right. And then what are we missing? Again. Again. And, and you mentioned today you were talking about um, us, and I'm not using the exact language, but... Um, seeking validation for our choices so like we're listening for god my air quotes listening for god but what we're listening for is the answer that we want right so seeking to find that right right um and i think those practices of intentionality are so important because i think that makes it more authentic in terms of our relationship with god Mm. um and and how do we how do we find that um, practice? You said practice making the life you want. And part of that is truly listening for God as right. opposed to listening for God to validate what I want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sense, right. The Israelites are, are the people of Judah. This is not the life they want. And yet they've got to figure out a way forward and who are they going to listen to? Be like, no, 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 you're going to be like six months. Everything will be fine. And then to think about how when it doesn't happen, you have totally set yourself up for failure in a negative way. Failures don't have to be negative. Right. But that you've really set yourself up away from intentionality into that path of despair. Well, and I found it really interesting when you were talking about, so at the end of that exile experience, how some were like, peace out like I'm gone this didn't right. work this wasn't good and others who said wait a minute we did make a life here 
Yes. We were intentional. We did listen. We did, you know, cultivate those practices. We do feel that we can stay here right. and continue to, to be authentic. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that I certainly, so I am a teacher by profession yeah. uh, and what I do, every aspect of what I do has been upended in this last year. And it's so um, easy to be overwhelmed. Yes. Uh, and I can completely see in myself at times and certainly in, in many of my colleagues and many in our profession of we're done, right? right. Like I'm out. Yeah, Peace. we're going back now. We're done. We're done. This is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I don't want to miss the lessons. Right. I don't know that I've got the capacity to see them right now, but I want to make sure that I didn't miss the lessons in this time. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been so many. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, it's who have we cultivated relationships with? Who have we missed out on? Um, What what were we so, this will never change, we're so stuck in the box, and then all of a sudden all the rails are taken off with the pandemic. And it's like, well, no, actually as a teacher... Yeah, there was a way of doing that, but you can't do it that way anymore. You got to figure out something totally new. Exactly. Um, in some ways, that's been really cool to to pay attention to to notice because it's like, ooh, what can I try that I may have had to have waited five more years, ten more years to even talk about? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And it really, uh, in many ways, catapulted the profession as a whole forward um, in embracing you know essentially like a universal design for learning in which learners can show you what they know in a variety of ways because right. you can't do it the old way right you just can't you literally can't um, and there wasn't an ability to say no I'm going to do it this way because this is how I've always done it well guess what they're not with you so right <laughs> you're how I've always done it is <laughs> not an option there's no children here right um, and yet that speaks, I think, to some of this experience, too, from Jeremiah in that I distinctly remember, um, I work in an elementary school, and, you know, early pandemic, we had different um, understandings of the virus, and right. physically being on surfaces was a concern and whatever, and so when we shut down, we were given a period of time in which we could come and get things, okay. and then get out, like mm-hmm. it was, the, but the building was not open, like we had key access, you know, whatever. Right. But the message was after, you know, X date, no one is allowed in there. And a lot of people stayed away anyway, um, just to do what they needed to do. And um, I remember being in the building, though, to pick up books and some supplies and and whatever. And walking the halls, you know, Mm -hmm. during the day, during the week, in an elementary school, yeah. Right. It should have been teeming with kids and sounds and yeah. laughter and you know, people falling down and scraping their knees and needing band-aids and mm-hmm. and the eeriness of that experience, right? Yeah. Right. Was was something I will not forget, right? Like being mm-hmm. in that space that's supposed to be filled with life right. that was echoey. And yeah. like the, the exile experience of having had to leave, you know, like right. they're gone. It, right. They're gone. There, there's no option. They're gone. They're gone. 
and now what? Like, yeah. Well, and even the people who get left behind in Jerusalem are like, oh, they're gone. Oh, okay. We're gonna have to make a life that is outside of them. Right. Um, because that's just not. That's gonna. We don't know if they're ever coming back. Just as. I mean, they were promised that they would, but they didn't know when it was going to happen. Right. So in thinking through the sustainable hope, what do you find is the hardest part about it? Or the thing that challenges you the most? Or the practice that challenges you? I think... I think the piece that challenges me the most is that question of how am I participating in the work? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, all right, I can be intentional in my relationships. I can, you know, like I have an element of that and um, try and pause enough to listen for God and and whatnot, but what is the work? Ah. You know, so how am I participating in the work? But the the question that comes first is what is the work? What is the work? What is the work that God is calling me to in this time and in this place? What is the work that God wants us as a church, as a community, as as a country, as a state? Yeah. What are we getting called to? And what do we do when we're not all listening to the same thing? Like, right. I, you know, and, and I get it. Like, I know that we all have gifts and talents and I know that we don't necessarily all need to be rowing in the same direction, but, but what are we defining as the work mm. in this time? Nice. Because I just, from a sustainable hope perspective, I feel like we've got to have community and, yeah. and that's a piece that I think has been so threatened by the distance and the intentional distance that the pandemic has caused. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, people not being able to see loved ones, friends, family. And even just the definition of community. Right. Like, who am I taking care of? Yeah. Is it my, you know, my little pot of five? Right. But I'm an active member in a church community. How does that work? Right? Like, how right. do we meet? How do we... And how do we master relationships over a new medium? And how do we, mm-hmm. you know, like... Right. And it, it very <laughs> much feels like, on the one hand, we have gotten creative and done that mm-hmm. in ways that can be more expansive to some. Right, yeah. And yet our definition, it feels, as a country, has gotten more narrow that it feels like we're more, more content, uh, simultaneously a chunk really trying to build relationships yeah. in that sustainable hope and in others building walls, right? Because it's right. fear. And isn't that that whole message that you were getting at, which is oh, yeah. if we've got that fear, well, that's that barrier to love. And so to me, that's exactly what it kind of feels like. How do we stay on the, the side of love and, and building mm-hmm. relationship and supporting each other and community while managing and mitigating the fear. Yeah, well, and the Israel, or the, the people of Judah are ultimately going to have to deal with that when uh, those in exile are allowed to go back. Because now they're going to have to negotiate, well, yeah, we're all related, 
and we're supposed to be a community, but this is how we do it, and that's how you do it, and we don't like that. I know you brought up uh, um, Wonder Woman, so I know you're a, a Marvel, you know. Love Marvel. Okay, yes. so the blip, right? Oh, the blip, yeah. Like, they come back. Right. And you're like, yay, you're back. Wait a minute. Right. You're back. Like, wait, wait, wait. Like, is it my house now? Is it your house? Like, right. I, got I, I love you, but you were dead. You know, like, yeah. and, and how do I do that? And that, I just think that's, that's a fascinating thought to me. And, and yet it plays a whole thing into what we were talking about with the sustainable hope and the practice of, I have to make a life where I am right now. Because we don't know when it, the blip is going to be over or if it's ever going to be over. Right. And so it's almost like it's a constant navigating and responding to the context around us in all the ways that it can be. And doesn't that speak to our most basic animal nature, right? Uh, yeah. And like fight, flight, freeze, what am I doing? How am I mm-hmm. getting through? How am I redefining right. what is safe, what is not safe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we we know this on some level, right? I mean, how many people, how many Americans generally, not in a pandemic year, tour Europe? Okay, well, that was a war zone between certain years. Exactly. Um, and you even go to the memorials to those things, and yet we, you don't hear somebody go, yeah. I'm, I'm headed to Europe this summer, and I'm, I'm really afraid because it was a war zone. Well, well, no, it's not now. The context has changed. Exactly. How you respond changes. Exactly. Right. Now it's a vacation spot. Right. Right. And it speaks to also the possibility, right? I can't imagine that in the middle of war, as people are fighting for their life, they're like, yeah, I can't wait until this becomes a vacation spot again. And that, you know, coming back to sustainable hope, right? So. Mm-hmm. We have lived through really difficult times in this country before. Oh, yeah. But boy, are we forgetful yes. of that, right? Right. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting to talk to senior citizens because they're like, oh, it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll get through this. Right. And they've gotten through so much. Exactly. They have already experienced something like a war or, right. you know, a period of social unrest uh, and mm-hmm. the country did come back to a, a modicum of peace right. foremost um, so well and that speaks to really how important it is who we are communicating with who are we connecting with who are we listening to because there's wisdom in that and how many of us are connected to that wisdom and surround ourselves or at least have some people in our midst where they're like no I've lived through a lot and I can tell you first-hand experience we're gonna get through it right gonna look a little different um, and that's okay and that's okay yeah, yeah. It, it might even be better right. than what it was um, yeah no and so how do we build communities to foster those conversations mm-hmm. and where where does that take place right. so if we can't gather physically how are we making those connections across generations to make sure, you know, beyond just, again, our little nuclear pods Mm -hmm. so that we're listening for the wisdom of those experiences because we need that. Right. It's too easy to be young. 
I'm not, you know, I don't fall in the young category anymore. But like, it's too easy to be younger and think and lead with the fear because we yeah. haven't had an experience of living through some sort of trauma to this extent. Right, massive disruption. Exactly. Beyond our beyond our own individual experience, but on a societal level, to say, hmm. right, right, or if we've never grown up around uh, those, I, I'm thinking like grandparents who lived through the Great Depression. You know, they had to ration everything. Exactly. And then the World War II hits. They had to ration everything. You couldn't go to the store and buy a new pair of shoes whenever you wanted. Right. You had to have a ration ticket. And that we forget, and so we freak out with store shelves that are empty. Well, actually, we've already lived through that. And Amazon can still deliver to your door. Right. Like, it still, still came. It still came. May have been a little delayed, but it still came. Right. Uh, may not have been exactly the product you wanted, but it still came. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that practice of making the life you want is so interesting in the context of those generational experiences and that the history there that we forget. We move so fast, we forget. We do. Well, right, and as we've been progressing in the last 50 years, right, what are we down to? How many seconds does it take before our knowledge doubles again? You know, it, whereas it took years for that stuff to double. And now we're just in an instant. You know, we complain about, okay, I complain about, uh, <laughs> I can't believe how long that flight is. Okay, well, you know, a hundred years ago, you were on a ship for months. You know. <laughs> right. Right. So that instant gratification, as uh, was brought up in today's uh, reflection after the sermon, uh, so, somebody brought that up. I was saying, you know, we're so used to it that we can't be intentional. We've got to slow down. We've got to look. So what's... Um, Oh. What new aspect of hope have you thought about through this? Or something that maybe you were like, oh, I hadn't. Hmm. That's an interesting thing to be part of hope. I think that some of some of the some of the scripture passages that have really stood out to me in the course of my life, um, you know, Jesus telling the disciples, you know, keep awake, stay awake, like mm-hmm. stay with, like stay awake, pay attention. Yeah. Like open your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's a message that has has resonated with me in my life. Like I've been drawn okay. to that. Yeah. Like almost as if like I'm hearing it. Like, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> Maureen, stay awake, stay awake, stay awake. Yeah. But I don't think I internalized it. Okay. And so when we're thinking of sustainable hope, mm-hmm. from a perspective of Am I being intentionally aware of where that hope is? Like, yeah. am I really looking for it? Mm-hmm. Am I stopping enough to see it? Yeah. Like that that message of Christ, like, stay with me, stay away, don't miss this, right? right? right. And and I think that is a piece that's really resonating with me. Like, there is hope in this. There really is, and it's yeah. so easy to slip to fear and despair and worry. It's right. so easy. Right. Um, but when you, today's focus on practice, you know, that makes me think of like 
intentionally every day what's something I'm grateful for mm-hmm. and you know boy that is really an annoying practice on a day that you just have had a lousy day and yeah. I'm stressed or I'm worried and I and I don't want to like right I don't right. want to be awake I don't want to mm-hmm. <laughs> pay attention I just want to sit here and be sad and mad and you know all yeah. of that and yet mm-hmm. it's here it's all around me I mean it, it really like how blessed are we that you know, one of the books that I read in this last year was um, Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass. Okay. And she is a um, like botanist, biologist by trade, but a member of the Potawatomi tribe mm-hmm. and really speaks to the relationship between humans and nature and humans in the world and, okay. and, and that whole kind of thing. And, and she talks about like the gift that we have every day. Mm. Like, look outside, look at, uh, truly, like I'm looking out this window and new leaves are light green and the sky is a beautiful blue and there's clouds up there and like stopping and looking, it's gorgeous. It's stunningly beautiful out there for us every day. Mm -hmm. And even on my worst, like, this is awful. I hate this, I don't wanna do this anymore. That's still there. Mm. And so that practice of sustainable hope feels tied to me to that message of pay attention, stay awake. Yeah. Because it's there. It's there every day. Good day, bad day, great day. Right. There's beauty all around. You know, the birds, I can still hear the birds chirping out there. You know, like, right. Yeah, people the, can probably hear it. Yeah, if they're listening. Yeah. The bounty of blessings that we have on this planet every day. Yeah. Um, We're taking the time to notice. Exactly. And I don't necessarily do that well. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we get busy and we get... Right, yeah, right. We get frustrated. Exactly. Another challenge i got to deal with. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for sitting down and following up with me with sure. the sustainable hope. Love um, the conversation. Yeah. So to all those listening, uh, thanks for taking the time to do so. And may, may all of us be a little more intentional, intentional about noticing hope. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye.